Dennis, remind us, we are prone to wonder. You know, we, we, we think we're walking in God's plan and purposes and then we end up wondering. And he has to gradually, he has to gently, like the good shepherd, bring us back to the pen, bring us back into the pasture that he, he wants us to, to feed from. Uh, and we do encounter storms. We do sometimes encounter storms because of the, the, the direction that we've wandered off into. Sometimes those storms are necessary to wake us up. Sometimes storms happen because of corporate sin, of corporate situations going on. You know, this global pandemic is surely a clarion call for us to check our wandering as a human race. Uh, you know, we've, we've listened to those who've preached the message of materialism and hankering after more stuff uh, and just more technology and we've chased after that as a human race we've got an opportunity now to come back to basics to come back to the truth and heed God's word chapter 27 of Acts we've reached the penultimate chapter in this great book, this great story of the early church and the unfolding of God's plan to take the gospel all the way to Rome and to the household of Caesar himself. Chapter 27 is, is a, a rich narrative. It's a historic narrative which focuses on this interesting voyage of Paul across the sea. His day has finally come to go. Uh, and to depart by boat, but they encounter difficult weather. And so the message this morning, if you're taking notes, is where is God when storms rage? Where is God when storms rage? I thought we were on a path, a glorious gospel path, Paul might have been tempted to say. Uh, but things seem to have gone uh, haywire. Things are all at sea. The bottom of the Mediterranean Sea is littered with shipwrecks. I don't know if you like watching those uh, documentaries on TV that uh, they empty the ocean and, and you get to see like the, the different shipwrecks that, that are littering the bottom of the ocean. Sometimes the ships are still intact. Sometimes it's just the cargoes and just the the spill from the, from the ships that's just left, or maybe some anchors and what, whatever else. But the Mediterranean Sea is littered with shipwrecks, many of them from ancient times, as the region saw the rise and fall of many great civilizations, and it was and still is the crossing point between three continents and numerous nations, Seafaring, even today, can be a precarious and dangerous activity, especially if our vessels are small and ill-equipped. We notice that regularly, don't we, in the news as we hear of refugees trying to make a perilous crossing from Africa or from the Middle East to Europe. Well, our brother Paul, the apostle, has finally reached after years of being detained, tried and cross-examined by the Jewish authorities, the Romans and the Jewish king, 
Paul has finally reached the day of his departure for Italy. I had to stop there for a minute. You know, uh, they're sailing to Italy. All right. Some of us would love to be able to travel to Italy or to other European and overseas destinations, wouldn't we? Uh, Perhaps when you read that in scripture, it brings back happy memories. But Paul's voyage is a somber one. Because ultimately, Paul expects to meet his fate in Rome. Yet, as we've discovered, Paul now has an absolutely firm trust that his fate is in God's hands. And that God will preserve him until his mission is complete. I wonder about you this morning. How is your resolve? Paul's resolve is solid. Paul knows God's blessings. Paul is a veteran missionary. How is your resolve this morning? Has life with the Lord brought you to a similar place of confidence in him? If so, rejoice and be glad. If you find yourself struggling, then listen up and take heart. Be encouraged once again by Paul's faith and determination, but more so this morning by God's kindness. God's kindness. Bear that in mind as we read from Acts 27 and verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, And Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Cnidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we would sail on, 
hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cowder, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men who had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. What a dramatic reading. Yeah, what a dramatic narrative. Well, we're going to explore uh, this wonderful bit of text this morning. And uh, I've got three points in my message. Uh, remind you the title of the message, Where is God when storms rage? So we're going to consider the following. Slow progress. Where is God when we're making slow progress? Secondly, stubbornness. <clears throat> when we encounter stubbornness, resistance. Perhaps even our own stubbornness is holding us back. And thirdly, safety. How is it that we know and find safety? Slow progress, stubbornness and safety. Well, our text this morning consists of historic narrative and the amount of detail that we're provided with gives us confidence that this is an eyewitness account. Paul was frequently accompanied by co-workers and Luke, we're told this morning of, of one or two of them, and Luke, the author of Acts, uses the first person plural pronoun to refer to Paul's party. We, he says, we were carried along. We were on board this ship. And this means that he either travelled with them or he was basing his writing on direct personal testimony. He was writing it as if he was there, if he wasn't in fact there himself. This narrative, like the narrative found in the book of Esther, contains no reference to God or Jesus. Remember Queen Esther, who was given influence in Persia in her day to save the Jewish people from genocide? She was raised up for such a time as this, to save those people, to remind them of God's faithfulness. Just because there's no direct reference to God in these verses, it doesn't mean that God is not there. Far from it. He is most definitely there in the boat with Paul and his companions. 
And he's with us in our boat too. He's, he's with you in your life. He's with you in your family's boat as well. Even if you can't see him, even if little mention is made of him, if you're a believer, he is with you and he will not let your course be diverted. Do you think that we would have gotten through our bereavement and lockdown without God with us? Do you think that God will let you stumble now after all this time just because lockdown may be extended for a few more weeks? Friend, nothing can frustrate God's plans for our lives. He alone is God and he will be glorified through his people. If he has determined a mission and a date and time for the gospel to be proclaimed, then it will surely come to pass, despite all the indicators to the contrary. So just remember that if you're making slow progress. If the number of stops on your journey is getting to you, just remind yourself of Paul's journey that we've read of this morning. Not just these difficult sailings that we're reading of this morning, but his whole missionary career. All the challenging times of persecution where he's kicked out of synagogues, kicked out of towns, locked up in the local jail. People have picked up stones to stone him. May all of these stories of the accounts of the life and ministry and journeys of Paul encourage you to persevere in the circumstances and trials of your lives, whether they're something very personal to you, perhaps a health problem, perhaps a, a relationship in your family close to you, or whether it's circumstances a bit more external, perhaps in your workplace, perhaps your neighbours, you don't get on with them, perhaps you're being victimised to your faith. May the, may the testimony of Paul cause you and encourage you to persevere in those circumstances and may they not lead to stubbornness or bitterness in your life. Brings us to the second point, stubbornness. Let's just consider stubbornness. We've seen various examples of stubbornness, resistance to the gospel in the story of Paul's uh, witnessing and uh, giving account, giving testimony before the various uh, authorities. But this morning, let's, let's consider for a moment who is more stubborn, the centurion or Paul or maybe us? We're told in the text this morning that the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to Paul. Uh, there's a pig-headedness and a bravado on display here, uh, which perhaps in one sense is admirable. Uh, after all, it's the spirit of adventure and endurance, isn't it? To persevere against the odds, to see if we can get through, to get the job done. Surely this is to be admired and encouraged. Well, such boldness and, and masculinity was greatly revered 
and prized in Roman culture. So we shouldn't be surprised. But the Bible tells us that an overconfidence in human capability and achievement is not only foolish, but also is sinful because we overlook the wisdom and purposes of God to our great peril. Thinking about just that account there, the centurion listening to the pilot and the owner of the ship brings back, surely brings back memories of of, uh, RMS Titanic. The owners of, of that ship insisted on steaming ahead at full speed across the Atlantic. They wanted to to get to win the record for the fastest crossing of the ocean. They wanted the prestige and the glamour. They were overconfident in, in their own creation. It was said not even God himself could sink this boat. Dangerous overconfidence in human capability. We overlook the wisdom and purposes of God to our great peril. We in our culture today, just like the sailors, notice in the text, the sailors voted in the majority to continue with their perilous journey. It wasn't just the owner and the the captain of the ship who overruled. They voted on whether it was a wise thing to carry on. In our culture today, we vote in the majority to carry on regardless with our foolishness and our reckless way of life. Friends, we are guilty of the very same. So we shouldn't be surprised when the Lord God brings our vessel to a halt, when he slows down the pace of life, when he changes the course and direction of our lives. Because, friend, this is what we need. If we're going to achieve what God wants us to achieve, if we're going to fulfill our very purpose given to us by God, then we need to not lose sight of the only one who can save us from our sin, the true captain of our vessel and the one who made us to serve him and not ourselves. In the account of this voyage to Italy, we'll ultimately discover, as we continue next time, the worst fears of the passengers, including Paul, are realised as the ship is wrecked off the coast of Malta. But for now, it's admirable to witness the bold pioneering attitude, the extreme efforts of the seafarers. Or is it? Was it machismo bravery or prophets that motivated them. Well, it should perhaps be a clue that they only jettisoned the cargo as a last resort. Did you notice that in verse 18? The jettisoning of the cargo was a last resort. This tells us, like the sailors on the ship that Jonah travelled on, that they now truly feared for their lives. Their machismo... Their confidence is evaporating in the face of the serious 
situation they're facing at sea, which God himself has brought about. Those sailors were motivated by prophets. Perhaps they were motivated by a whip or some other means. What is it that motivates us? Is it the mission of the author of our lives? Or is it the incidental profits that we make along the journey that motivate us? What is it that we're struggling for? Is it his glory or is it ours that we're struggling for? We've discovered that God made Paul a strong-willed and determined missionary with a clear sense of purpose and an unshakable trust in God. But the text today reveals that times have gotten very bleak and even Paul is now fearful about the situation. We all have our limits. We all have a limited rope, even Paul. And this is when we're forced to lean on God. God alone has unlimited resources. God alone is the one with a harbour, which is the safest haven of all. Even our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we can know safety, friends, in the midst of a chaotic and dangerous world. It is to know the refuge, is to know the safety of the harbour, God's harbour, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my final point this morning, safety. Notice in the text that we're given a detail which may have passed you by as, as I read the text. We're told the fast was over. <clears throat> The fast was over. Verse 9. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. If you look in your footnote there, it says, that is the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a Jewish feast, the Day of of Atonement, when the priest would uh, go into the Holy of Holies, sprinkle blood on the mercy seat once a year to make atonement for the people and they had to tie a rope around him remember they had to tie a rope around the priest uh, just in case the Lord struck him down they, they could drag the body out of the Holy of Holies so it's a very significant day day on which the, the sins of the people all the uh, unatoned for sin would be atoned for on that day of atonement why, why are we given that uh, bit of detail there well firstly it shows how much time has elapsed on their journey uh, since they set out. But secondly, uh, the weather was changing uh, to the the rougher autumnal weather because the Day of Atonement takes place at the end of September or the beginning of October. So, So now the season for making safe passage across the ocean is drawing to a close. That's why we're told... Uh, that the day of the fast, the time of the fast has, has passed. So there are great and justifiable fears about the safety of the ongoing voyage. 
the vessels that they're traveling on are trade ships. Hence, they're stopping at numerous ports along the coast of the province of Asia. Uh, That's what is now modern-day Turkey, as cargoes are delivered and exchanged. Most of the ships at sea, then as now, were cargo ships. And most of the wrecks on the seabed were cargo ships. As we read in verse 20, even Paul and his party had given up hope. He says, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. That that seems conclusive, doesn't it? It's like, well, that's it now, folks. There's only one eventuality. I wonder if you here this morning have given up all hope. I wonder if this pandemic... This lockdown, whether it's broken you, whether you have nothing left, whether you've given up hope of realising your dreams. Perhaps you're so long in the tooth now that all the dreams of your youth that you've once thought maybe you could achieve, those are just dim and distant, unfulfilled hopes. What is leading you to be so heavy-hearted and hopeless if you are this morning? If you're not, praise the Lord. Dear friend, there are two ways in the text this morning that we see hope and grace extended. Firstly, by the kindness of the centurion. Did you notice that? Centurion Julius from the household regiment says that he treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Verse 3. Why would he do such a reckless thing? After all, we're told Paul was a prisoner. The penalty for an escaped prisoner was death. So we must give thanks to God with Paul that the centurion was persuaded to be kind. We see examples of that in our lives, examples of common grace and kindness. God perhaps inspiring someone to show us kindness, to help us out, to enable us to have a time of refreshment. That's one way we see hope and grace extended in our text this morning. I wonder if like the centurion, We have the foresight, or we have the lateral thinking in order to sometimes be flexible with the rules. Because we need to learn from this, perhaps, that we should trust God with the responsibilities that he gives us. And sometimes that means being flexible with the apparent rules. There are many rules given to us by the government. Let's think about most most recently the COVID rules. All manner of different rules that we've been told to uphold and enforce, right, for everyone's health and well-being. Government rules. And then there are rules by corporations. Rules that your employers perhaps expect you to uphold or to abide by. 
designed to prevent loss or for the sake of public safety or with equality in mind? Many of these rules are wise and helpful as general rules. But there may be times when we need to discern when to be flexible and to allow God to continue his work as he speaks into our lives. So let us learn from generous and trusting Julius, who let Paul go and be comforted by his friends uh, on shore. Let us be flexible in our situations and allow God's grace to be known. That's the first way. The second way, uh, and more significantly, though not mentioned by name, we see the unmistakable hope of Christ in the text this morning. Through the very fact that we're told the Day of Atonement has passed. I'll say that again. The Day of Atonement has now passed. Praise God. Before the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Jewish Day of Atonement was a sign pointing to the grace of God which would one day be fulfilled on the mount outside Jerusalem. God's Old Testament people were reminded each and every year to be hopeful because of what the God of grace had done in their history, but most important, what he had promised to do in sending his Messiah. Well, the detail in the text today, which tells us Paul's voyage continued beyond the feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in light of Christ's coming, should actually remind us that full atonement has now been made. The Day of Atonement has passed. Friends, there is now no more need for hopelessness or despair about our destiny because clothed in the righteousness of Christ, washed by his blood, spilt at the cross, we stand forgiven, set free and purchased in full. There are no outstanding balances due. And so whether you're coasting along with difficulty, like Paul in the boat in our text, whether or not your employer gives you freedom and flexibility, we are saved. And the only things we need to abandon are our unhealthy and ruinous attachment to material things and false hopes. Because our sure and certain hope even the Lord Jesus himself is absolutely secure. So friends, let's put our hopes in him and let's reach the safety of God's fair haven, his glorious new Jerusalem. And let's do it together, shall we? Let's do it together here in this church here in this community to the glory of God the Father let's bow our heads in prayer